Welcome to Red Beans and Advice, a production of Schecksteiner Wealth Advisors. I'm Katie Hain, an account executive. I'm Jesse Duhon, a financial advisor. I'm Nolan Schecksteiner, senior advisor and founder. All right, welcome everybody back to another episode of Red Beans and Advice. It's November 7th, 2022. Yep. And we just fell back in time, which I thought earlier in the year, I, I thought I'd heard that we weren't going to, have to do this no more. They said this might be the last time. The the law changing it expired this year, mm-hmm. and the legislation has not taken hold. So unless legislation yeah. occurs in the future, this is the permanent stance. What is the permanent stance? So we're going to the, keep the current? That? No, the way we are today, uh-huh. this time will be forever. No, oh, unless they chose the wrong one. Unless Congress. Votes to no, change we, it. We want the spring one, and that's what we want. That's what this I heard. Is, this one's garbage because this yeah. one you have no daylight. I heard that same thing, but that they're, I don't know what it's called, the bill or whatever, sitting waiting for the house to look at it. Mm-hmm. And they would vote to just end daylight savings, and we would remain on the spring. That's schedule. what I want. I want that. That's what I heard. Okay, that's exactly what I said. Um, oh, I thought you <laughs> said we would stay with the Oh, uh, so we if would, they don't would, do if it. If they don't do it, as of right now, it's stuck in Congress. Yeah, yeah, I don't like any of this. Well, I don't like it. Go vote tomorrow. But this isn't on the ballot. But vote for something else. I don't know. They'll, they'll <laughs> eventually get to They'll get to it by the next daylight yeah. time. Well, I, regardless, here we are. Here we are. We fell, we fell back, and we had... Uh, Boy, LSU just had a big weekend. I don't know when you listen to this, but this is the one where LSU beat, you know, Alabama in overtime. We're LSU fans. I don't know if that ever came through in the podcast, but we all went to LSU. <laughs> yeah, right. We did. We it was did a great all game. That was monumental. So we got that. We lost slash gained an hour. I don't know. I'm confused with it all, but we're here. And it's November. That's right. And it's November, and we're coming up towards the end of the year. And it's been some interesting year in the world of investment and investment advice. Mm-hmm. And we try to stay on theme. We try to keep you in the know about things that are being talked about. And always at this time of year, you'll hear this kind of thing. But uh, this year is specifically probably because there's enough of them to go around. You hear about, oh, can I harvest a loss? And does that even sound, that first glance, that term sounds like, well, I, don't, I don't even want to be around a loss. Why am I harvesting a loss? What right. is that about? Why would you know? I want that? And our job as podcasters, as well as advisors, we just want you to be in the know, knowledge-wise, strategic-wise, how something might affect you, how you would approach it if it's a conversation between you and your advisor or something. So the topic today is tax loss harvesting, much like autumn harvest in the real world. You kind of come look into this, but but mainly because why? Because tax years end when the, yeah, when the calendar turns, right? So you're running out of time to do anything you want to account for this year. Mm-hmm. So let's just kind of go from there. What's you know tax loss harvesting? Sounds like you got an investment, you started with a certain amount of money, and it's not worth that anymore. It's worth less. And what happens? I can get out of this investment, and I got a loss. And you claim it. That's kind of simple. That's kind of simple what it is. But there's some strategies because most people too, when you go to consider your investments, you probably don't just have one investment. You probably just don't have one thing. And, and there's a sort of counterbalance here. Maybe you have something else out of gain, and that's the whole concept of, of trying to figure this out. But it should be stated at the beginning, oh, Jesse, oh, Nolan, and no, Katie, can I do this in my 401k? Can I do this in my IRA? No, you can't. Nope. 
Well, you can do it, but it doesn't give you any advantage. There you go. No one's going to care if you do it. Right. <laughs> it won't affect you or anything. And that's because those things carry their own advantage of being tax-deferred kind of anyway. Yeah. Right? So, so in your 401ks, IRAs, all these deferred plans, go back to that logic. Nothing matters until you spend it later or distribute it from that plan later. Right. So this is stuff that's not in those types. You're talking about stuff you either own on your own or jointly with someone or potentially an entity owns stuff. Right. Anything that's not by definition deferred by some other umbrella, you can look at the world of gains and losses and, and get strategic. So where do we begin? We like to begin sometimes at the larger level. So I'm going to give you some ideas on what Harvest is. Now, here's some fun facts. Just think harvest. Don't even think investments here. But the word harvest comes from the old English harvest, meaning autumn. Did you know that? Sounded more like German, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think old English that. was probably kind of wicked in that way. Like it was kind of Germanic anyway, but harvest. There's a few other things. Let's see. We got invented in the U.S. by Hiram Moore was something that when you think of harvest, you think that machine rolling through the, the yeah. fields, They're getting all the farming. stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's a combine harvester. Right. And why it is a combine harvester was because Hiram Moore in 1834, which this sounds pretty, he was out of his time, he invented it. And the name comes from because it does three different things. Now, yeah. what three things do you think a combine harvester is combining into one? He's, I'm going to give you a big prize if you can guess these three activities that it's doing. He's harvesting the crop. It's mm-hmm. then cutting down the excess stuff and pushing it into the little thingy. And then it's also like sowing the soil. Okay. Though you may be right, that was vague to the point of not matching the words I have right here to where I, I feel know. like that was correct. Well, you said harvesting. <laughs> well, yeah, you're like, you're the, you're gathering the crop that's been growing. Would there be a more farmer specific term for that? Harvesting. <laughs> a farmer. Would he be reaping? Oh, yeah. He might be he's... reaping the crop. Okay. Now, the next thing, I don't really know what it is. It might be what you described, but threshing the crop is another thing it's doing, and it is simultaneously doing a third thing called winnowing. Winnowing. Yeah, so there we go. So maybe you were right. I feel like that was correct, but But I said it in layman's He is threshing, and he is winnowing in a combine harvester, and he does that in one process. I bet threshing is when, like, say, like, you're doing corner or... um, I'll give you a big plus. Yeah, let's just move on. I don't What's my big prize? I mean, I feel like I definitely got... I won this big prize. You didn't know reaping, so there's no farming (laughs) prize when you don't know reaping. But harvesting, that's what they came up with, harvesting. Mm -hmm. Involved, yeah. They're involved in the act of harvesting, but they're individual sort of... Regardless. But he did that a long time ago. And then last thing... Demeter is the Greek goddess of harvest in agriculture, and the Roman equivalent to Demeter is Ceres, which oh. there's the speculation, perhaps that's where the word cereal comes from. Huh? Oh. Could be. I don't know. So that's some fun facts. So it's always in autumn, right? It, it's it's always been looked at. There's the time of harvest. No need to get too deep. Why? Sun's out all year. It's kind of going down. Crops are big. Now we need them. Now we harvest. However, you can tax loss harvest. At any time during the year. Boom. There we go. Yes. There we go. This isn't just, exactly. And when we or you or someone out there might have already had some of this on the books already. Some tax right. loss harvesting. So let's kind of jump into that part of it, which mainly is what people want to listen to us for anyways. If you've got account an account that is not an IRA, that, that is subject to gains or losses, the 
effectively you'd, you'd have to deal with that on your tax forms and on your return at the end of the year. Why, why might it be a good strategy to harvest a loss in a, in a year like that or like in the current market? What, what, what would a typical person be seeing, maybe Nolan, and, and this topic even come up? Well, some people are going to unknowingly receive capital gains if they're invested in mutual funds because whenever you own a mutual fund, you get a pro rata share of whatever happens in that fund for the entire year. With the market going down during this year, a lot of fund managers have sold positions that they've held a long time. Therefore, they have a long-term capital gain, which will be distributed to you at the end of the year. So some people will be surprised to get long-term capital gains. So if you have uh, long-term capital losses, you could offset them. Long-term being you held it for over a year. That's right. Okay. And, and no one speaks a good point that you're like, well, wait a minute. All of a sudden, why am I getting a gain? I thought you guys were talking about losses. But no one's point is, is critical to remember if you have a mutual fund and something as the calendar nears and then to, to really sort of look at. We, we do it on our own for our portfolio management. But yeah, what he says, like inside this mutual fund, they could be investing in a bunch of different things. They pick something that was a winner six years ago. But in a year like this, people liquidate, you know, people are getting out of positions they got to get the money from somewhere. And, and commonly, they're selling big gains. You do get that passed on to you in sort of a surprise at the end of the year with, oh, here's this gain or the value of it's been written down. you got this distribution coming your way. But but even on a simpler level, let's say you didn't buy, it wasn't a fund. You just bought stock of ABC Company and you bought it years ago. And we get to this point and it's down, right? Maybe you bought it for 100000 and it's worth, worth eighty, and you want to change gears. You've got other investments. What happens if you sell something that has, you know, $20,000 and it's lower than it was you bought it three years ago? If we sell that, let's say you sold all of it, all the lots of it. Now you've got $20,000. That's long term, right? Because it's over a year. That that opens the door for a few things for you. Because maybe you have other things that, that are still at a gain, right? And do you find people like this to counterbalance? Do you find even on the tax side that people sort of care about this a whole lot? Or is it is it you or us bringing it up for the most part? And they're like, oh, okay. I mean, how do, how do people react to this, in your opinion? Most people don't think about it in advance mm-hmm. because I also prepare tax returns. Mm-hmm. I get a reaction. How could I have had a long-term capital gain if I lost 20% in my account? So yeah. I get to explain that fun fact in the years that it occurs. Tax loss harvesting is is a method for reducing your tax income taxes currently. However, income taxes are currently at the lowest they've been in my lifetime. So we're not saying everybody should go out and do it. We're just saying it's something you hear about and you know you you should consider it in relation to your personal facts. Really should. And this is one of those where we walk a fine line. We don't want it to be just a tax advice idea, but you may quickly realize if, if you're understanding the the gist of where a tax loss and investment would come from, your answer and, and to what extent you want to go grab losses or, or harvest them and get them on the books will, will greatly depend on what you're looking at when you go to file at the end of the year, right? Does it make any sense? Do you have anything to offset, right? Right. The, the losses are limited to 3000 in excess of your gains to be deducted in the current year. So in your example, where you had a $20,000 loss, 
if you had no gains to offset it, you would deduct $3,000 in the current calendar year and $17,000 would be carried forward to future years. You know, I, I think you should consider it, but the way I look at it is taxes are kind of the tail of the investment dog. They should be considered, but the tail should not wag the dog. In other words, uh, your investments should be controlled by what you think is in your financial best interest, but you should consider the tax impact of what you do. That's right. It's worth noting because sometimes if you have an investment and you want it to strategically, like like you're saying, like the investment dog, the investment dog in this case may be like, well, I'd really like to allocate my investments a certain way. I think these things are going to be at a better advantage. For example, what if you just like, look, I don't want as much bonds. I don't believe in international equities. I want my portfolio to look like this, but it might not look like that right now. Like you might have that idea and to get it from A to B, when you don't own it in a tax sheltered investment, you got what? You got to sell investments to create new ones. And that's, you know, so the year like this, it's even more critical to just have an eye on what the losses and the gains are. It, it creates new advantages. Things that before, if you had nothing at a loss in previous years, you want to rebalance. You really have to just consider like, okay, well, let me reallocate here and take this gain right now and pay it. I got nothing to offset it. This year, you might have something to offset it. In terms of uh, tax loss Torvaldson, as the name would imply, you have to have a loss. So we're not technically encouraging you to go out and lose money. We're trying to make lemonade out of lemons. If you have a loss and you want to reposition either because you don't like the current allocation you have or you don't like the current fund management style or whatever, then it might be a good time to start selling investments. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to point out is there can be a tax advantage to doing it. So be aware of tax implications if you sell an investment. Right. Okay, good. Well, we'll take a quick, quick break and then we'll come back. We'll dive a little more into the the fund side of it, fund, F-U-N-D side of it (laughs) to explain like, (laughs) Another thing that's coming up at the end of the year. Yeah, there's not a F-U-N version of it. Unfortunately, there's not much fun in that. The most fun you'll have is guessing what threshing and reaping is. But we'll explain regardless after after the break. Why do you need wealth management advice? Because we believe in the saying that some of the best days of your life have not happened yet. Planning for your financial future means planning for the life you want to have and the legacy you want to leave. At Sheck Snyder Wealth Advisors, we set ourselves apart by combining years of financial expertise with warmth and a sense of humor that make the planning process enjoyable. No jargon, just good advice. We place our clients' well-being ahead of any profit motive. Sheck Snyder Wealth Advisors, where we provide clear answers to life's complex questions. For more information, please call our office at 985-652-2877 to set up a consultation. All right, okay, back from the break. This is very related, and, and again, what Nolan said earlier is, is where people encounter this a lot. If they're not actively going into their holdings and trying to see what's at a gain, at a loss, and individualize those transactions, what just happens to you quite often is if you have a mutual fund, like like Nolan said, he gave you the reasons earlier. They might have to sell something for whatever reason. They've got a capital gain inside that, and that actual gain is going to come out as a distribution to you, a mutual fund, a shareholder. Okay, 
So these things get sort of estimated around this time of year and the advisors are kind of scrambling to see, okay, I've got a client holding a mutual fund and they're in a taxable account. What are we looking at in the form of a gain specific to a year like this where it's more likely they might have some? So you look and, and you might find something like, look, for the amount of money that everyone has in this mutual fund, this fund's going to pay a 15 or 20 or 25% capital gain. If you do nothing, what's going to happen? There's a date. There's a record date. And just like a dividend with any company, there's a date when it's too late to get out of it and you will get that distribution. And when you get to that point, what's going to happen is the fund, the amount that you see, the value in your account is going to reduce by that amount. If it's at 15%, it's going to go down 15%. And you're going to get paid out in the form of a distribution that amount. Accurate? Yes, but most people reinvest dividends so they don't, don't actually see the distribution. There you go. And what happens on that point is if they don't, they don't see the distribution, the main thing that has happened for them is their cost basis has increased. Okay? The mutual fund be worth less than it was. They're getting this distribution, and now their cost basis is higher. Not really something people really like going through, as, as you can tell. It doesn't seem like like they, their values reduce. They kind of get this cost basis trade off. If you're a shareholder of a mutual fund that declares a dividend, mm-hmm. the statement value is going to, the quantity of dollars is going to look the same from one day to the next. The difference is the quantity of shares and the price per share is going to change. If you're like most people and you just look at the balance, you're going to feel like nothing happened. However, at the end of the year, you're going to get a 1099 that said you had a long-term capital gain. And your question from a logical perspective would be, well, where's the money? Yeah. What happened here? I didn't do nothing. How did I get taxes and I didn't get any money? Yeah. Okay. So we're just trying to make sure you're aware of that. You know, like I said earlier, we happen to be in the lowest tax brackets in memory. So it's less bad than it would have been in prior times, but nobody ever likes to pay taxes. So if you want to attempt to lower your taxes, you need to be aware of these capital gain distributions. You also need to be aware of other transactions that have gone on in your area, either consciously or unconsciously. And something important on that, you mentioned, you kind of said like, well, most most people have the dividends reinvested, not everybody. Right. So and that is a, an option many times if you have an in a brokerage account or if you're direct with a mutual fund company, do you have that account set up to automatically reinvest distributions and dividends? Because if you don't, the difference in that story turns into you got a distribution and now the value looks a lot less. You're going to get kind of two things happen to you at that point. It's not going to be a distribution replaced. And now we're kind of even level. If you didn't have your account set up that way, it's, it's out of the account now. Right. So it could just be, it could be a sort of forced happenstance upon you, not for every fund, but it takes a little digging at this time of the year to figure out if that is going to materially affect your position or not. Those dates and that data is coming out every day, right about right now, very typical. And and what can you do, right? What can you do? If you see this, this, this date coming and you see a big distribution, you're like, look, that all sounds like something I'd rather not participate in. There's some tried and true strategies. There's ways around it. They're not illegal, but you got to kind of get things right. And one of the major, the easy concept and what we would deal with here is that if you sell that security and you want it to go to something that you think is going to sort of be similar in the way that you want it to react to parts of the market, you could do it. It needs to be what though? It needs to be a different type of investment, Mm -hmm. right? 
different. Some holding period rules. And how long is that, Katie? 30 days, but it's 30 days before, 30 days after. Mm-hmm. So altogether, 60 days. You got to hang on to it. Yeah, so you really, when you do the thing, you want you don't want to have just bought it before. But let's say, again, we've been using long-term holding. You sold it. You bought something else. You got to hold it for at least 30 days or else all of these rules you were trying to get around, it's not going to work. It's like you didn't do the transaction. It's yeah. washed out. Hence the word wash. Yeah. Yeah. No, pretend you didn't do it. And you did do it. So that's it. You want it to count, right? So, if you, <laughs> so but we, and listen, when we trade for clients' accounts, it's something, there's a whole slew of people that try to assist us and warn us if we, if we didn't get the dates right. So there's multiple ways and levels for us to try to get it right. But this is more targeted. So right now, what do you think your advisor's doing? Well, your advisor's looking at people who are in non-deferred accounts and we're looking up the funds and we're saying, all right, any of these stand out? Any of these things look like they're paying big distributions? And you might have a few. You, you just, there's not a blame game here. It's just like, as no one says, it's the way of life. You buy stuff, it goes up. People, You know, you got to liquidate. It happens. Not really a judgment thing, but more of a housekeeping thing. All of these discussions are attempting to explain some things that you should be aware of. It is our position that you should be aware of them and consider them, but you're supposed to be making long-term investments in accordance with your long-term goals and plans. Mm -hmm. If you are restructuring your future vision, then it's a good opportunity to go ahead and take these losses and reduce your taxes if you can. The losses will offset the gains up to the entire amount of gains plus 3000 a year. Taxes should be considered, but should not be the controlling item. You're trying to do what's in your long-term best interest from an investment perspective. If you can also get a tax benefit, it's on your own. Then do it, yeah. Or a little bit extra. For yeah. those not from Louisiana. <laughs> That's right. And so, in a year like this where you know, bonds are down more than they ever have been, stocks have had a, a bumpy road, you might have losses. You should know after this episode the advantage to you in particular. And then beyond that, there's the whole idea of what's happening inside of a fund. And and do you have something to keep your eye on from that? Because it might have a capital gains distribution. And, and another thing, Jesse, you should really be considering a lot of what we're talking about today if you're in a fairly high tax bracket. If you're in a relatively low tax bracket, although it will save you some money if you tax loss harvest, it won't save you as much. Correct. You know, you could have listened to this podcast and said, okay, that's something nice to know, but I'm in a low tax bracket, so maybe I can delete that from my short-term memory. Right. <laughs> you know, and just remember it for the future. So, yeah. So, okay. So, that's tax loss harvesting for you. If you ever needed the, the magic of podcast is, it'll have a title that talks about some of the tax loss harvest. So, if you don't need it this year, you don't need it for a few years, you can always scroll back whenever it does become relevant to you get some general idea of how this was in 2022 <laughs> and, and build on it from there. Do always call your advisor specifically talk to someone with an idea about your taxes. If you're trying to individualize this to a level that, that may affect you. Remember you have to lose money for this to work. So, so don't go forcing it. Yeah. Don't go forcing it. It's actually better to make money all the time. Yeah. This is one you shouldn't try too hard at. Yeah. We're just trying to, again, help you make lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. Here's the code to benefit. December 31st will be a deadline for just about everything that we talk about as far as the tax year. Just keep that in mind. There's a few things with oh, distribution, you get like extensions and all that. But for the most part, stuff like this, did it happen in the year? Yay, nay. It's when it's counting for the year. As far as I know, that's how losses and gains are going to work. 
So with that, talk to your advisors, get your year-end planning in, contribute to your IRA plans, do all the right things, set money aside, keep in touch. We're here. You can call us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eat your turkey. Eat your turkey. Hit subscribe. Tell your friends. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information or if you would like to connect with us, visit shexwealth.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Securities offered through Satara Financial Specialist LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Satara Investment Advisors LLC. Satara entities are under separate ownership from any other named entity. Our offices are located at 330 Belterre Boulevard, Suite 201, Laplace, Louisiana 70068 and 4137 South Sherwood Forest Boulevard, Suite 240, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70816.